We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He comes from Portugal. He plays for Arsenal. This is the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. That's right. The song is back. The song is back. We're going to have to check in on Clive Vieira playing for the Arsenal. I don't know if he's going to love it. I don't know if he's going to hate it. Obviously, Patrick Vieira uh, played for the Arsenal. I don't know if you're familiar. Frenchman was pretty good, pretty good in the midfield. Well, now we've got a Portuguese Vieira that appears to be on the absolute doorstep of the Arsenal. Uh, We are going to be doing a scouting video for him that will be out in a mere matter of hours. So if you are interested in seeing that, that will be over on the Patreon side. We do have the excellent Zach Lowy coming to talk to us about Vieira in more detail. Zach Lowy, a, a Portuguese football specialist, and I'm so excited to chat with him because we haven't had him on before yet, so we're we're looking forward to that. You are owed a part two to our player evaluations where we do attacking midfield, wide forwards, and center forwards, and Mikel Arteta. That is coming, but in the wake of, let's say it, super expected transfer news about Fabio Vieira. No, I kid. Uh, unexpected transfer news about Fabio Vieira. This podcast will be dedicated to that news and sort of the transfer stuff going on, as it is with transfer season. You got to be ready to pivot. Arsenal seems to have been ready to surprise the market to pivot, and we are ready to follow suit. And here to follow suit with me is Clive. You can find him on Twitter at Clive PFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. And Tim, you can find him on Twitter at Stubbello. Hello, Tim. Hello there. Quick word of, um, of uh, concern, not concern, thoughtfulness for Paul, who's feeling under the weather. So we certainly wish Paul a speedy recovery, and I'm sure he will make a speedy recovery. Uh, Having seen him make it out till 4 a.m. three nights in a row and be up and ready for the day the following day when we were in London, I have no doubt he will be fine. And over on the Patreon side, I want to say thank you to Scott. This was Scott week. Scott and Clive did a pod. Scott and Paul did a pod. So that was kind of fun. I enjoyed it. Um, I think the hosting was let's just say mediocre at best. I, I didn't think it was very good, but I, I thought that the pods were, I'm kidding, but I would like to stay in a job. Okay. Over to you, Clive. How are you feeling about Vieira? Are you, are you, so I, just, before we get into it, 
Is this an, a good thing? You like having the name Vieira back at the club, or are you going to struggle because it brings back all the, the memories, uh, the nostalgia? Well, as you know, I always tell people, don't get fixated on any players. And, uh, <laughs> I, and I preach away, don't get fixated on any player. There's always another player to come along. But my exception to the rule was always Patrick Vieira, right? But, but this is interesting, isn't it? And in this day... Well, Go on, go on, mate. Do your thing. Well, you know, <laughs> let, let, let's structure the conversation just a little bit. I did want to no. just give you a second to talk about the name, the 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 similarities in the name. That's all. Yeah, I well, let's start with this club. <laughs> I, I think this is. I I would class this in the surprise category, right? A player that wasn't on lips, wasn't on radars. The ITKs in the mud, ITM, as the kids would say. Um, not something that that people necessarily knew the club was across or doing, and. I have to admit I have a bias towards sort of liking these deals because I think it shows creativity. I think it shows a flexibility. I think it shows that the club is out there maybe with an eye towards players that the market isn't totally ready to pounce on. That doesn't mean it's a good move. I, I, I'm just admitting my bias for these sort of surprising moves. But initially, before we even get onto the player, how do you feel about this transfer popping up out of nowhere and and if it says anything to you about the club's methodology that we sort of seem to have, have found a player here that maybe hadn't yet made it into the mainstream conversation yeah i mean we know people don't we that have good contacts and i've spoken do. to them and i'm sure tim's done something similar and no one knew anything is that fair comment yeah. i don't yeah. think anybody I think knew i mean they don't anything. take my calls but that's what i've heard <laughs> and uh not even like a, a winky face or nothing. It's like, I didn't know anything about this. Like, and I, so that's, a, that's really interesting. I think if you take it back a little bit to last year, I leave Tim's room, we, when we bought those six sign-ins, we were like, oh, this is interesting. we got to pay some people off now because we can see we've got to make room in the squad. We had a new project. We can all see what we're doing, 23 and under, blah, blah, blah. And now we're all excited this year because we're thinking, how are we going to layer on this now? We know we need to up the quality and depth. But also tactically, what we do next is like the final piece because we have things in our base of our team, in our defense. And, and okay, Odegaard is a team, an attacker of sort, but obviously we saw him before, so he wasn't new. So everything was almost behind the ball, you know? And we, we kept people on. We tried to recycle people in, in I call the head of the ball positions and develop people in those roles, in Martelli's Bifro, for example, and Saka. And so the next things that we do for me is going to define the tactical direction of where we're going. And so we've we've all opined on wing forwards, tall forwards, central midfielders, centre forwards of different shapes and sizes, wide forwards of different shapes and sizes. And we've all speculated, and, it's, and that's part of the fun for me, right? Where are we going to go? How are we going to layer on? And then this is the first one, bang. And you think, oh my goodness, this is a, this is something different. This is a a light technical player that can play in a number of positions. So I'm trying not to define him. I'll talk later on the sky yeah. pod earlier. Yeah, we'll get to that for sure. Mm -hmm. But he's light, he's technical. I've got some thoughts about what he looks like, what he could do, and how he influences. And this is really interesting. This is a player. I remember when we bought Pepe, everyone said, good player, overpaid. Straight away, you've overpaid. You know? When you yeah. listen to people that know about this player and the Portuguese league, it's like, whoa, this is a transformational type player potentially, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and it, it feels different. The jungle drums feel different, don't they? They feel different. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, I will say we should give credit to Marquinhos because he is he is our first signing of the summer, of course. And yeah. and that's the reason I bring him up is when I think Ganduzi, when I think um, Martinelli, I think Marquinhos more along those lines, right? More of a a, a bit of a punt. And in the case of Ganduzi and, and Martinelli, I'd say a, a good punt in the sense of at least talent identification. This isn't that. Tim, this is... This is a proper transfer, if, if you'll allow me to suggest that. And it's a player who, I mean, you know, I, I believe it's six goals and 11 assists in 1,300 minutes. So the output is there. Um, really a, a legend of the Porto youth system, a, a legend of the Porto U20, uh, the, the Portugal U23 is a player who looks poised to be um, a, a part of the Portugal setup for a long time. And this strikes me as, a model where you you find that player, maybe more of a Dortmund type move, right? You get in just that little bit ahead of everybody else seeing him as the obvious move, right? I mean, look at Chuameni's move to to Real Madrid. Look at Darwin Nunez's move to uh, Liverpool. These are moves that one year ago, that's your move. And I, I think of a, a famous move Liverpool once made, Luis Suarez. They probably went a season before he would have been the obvious choice for everyone everywhere. And and that's kind of how this feels to me. Now, I want to give you a, a chance to to weigh in on the strategy side. Then, then the way we're going to do this, we're going to talk about the players specifically. Then I want to talk about the downstream impacts for our attack, for our setup, for what it means. I, I think it's interesting, too, because Arteta has talked in the past, and I want to give credit to our Discord, where there's so much brilliant information that's shared, and, and I, I can't find right now who shared it, but sort of a quote talking about, we used to have players like Santi Cazorla and Thomas Rositsky and uh, Alex Kleb and, and Cesc Fabregas and those technical players in the middle of the park who could pick locks and solve problems, and and we need to bring that back to Arsenal before we stop being associated with that. And this looks sort of like Martin Odegaard was, very much in the vein of wanting to bring that kind of play back. So it's exciting to see, and I think I think the timing of the move looks right. So before we get to the squad implications, what's your take just at a high level on us getting this deal done out in front of the market, sort of being across this player? Yeah, sure. You you mentioned like a lot of examples there. I was thinking this is the player Brighton sign before you sign him from Brighton for sixty million next summer. The less said about teams getting a Brighton player, the better. I don't want Clive to get too upset. Well, <laughs> well indeed, indeed. And it makes me think, you know, about some of the rumors that we've seen. And there've been, you know, there there've been a lot of rumors about like quite expensive wide forwards like Gnabry and then Hafinha. Yeah. And I'm and I'm sitting there and thinking surely we can't go to Tielemans, Jesus and Hafinha at the same time. Like, I know we're going to sell some players, but surely we're not going to recruit that much. And it does make me wonder if it was a little bit, um, you know, a little bit maybe put out there by Arsenal to divert some attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, what I'd say is this signing isn't confirmed yet, so it is out there. It's just we're used to like a quality of transfer information now, like we we've known, like that Arsenal are, are in for Tielemans and Gabriel Jesus for ages, and assuming we get those deals done, they might not be confirmed for ages yet. So we're used to that kind of thing. Here we've got something like right at the end. It's like right, he's flying in for a medical, but we've still yep. got it. Um, so it's not quite a surprise signing. It's just we're getting the information much later in the day. I I, I love this on a few levels because, and we'll go into the tactical side later, but. 
I think you can't, uh, referring to that Arteta quote you highlighted, you can't have too many creative players as far as I'm concerned. You just can't. And I used to fucking hate it in the Wenger days. It was like, oh, they're buying another number. It's like you cannot have too many of those types of players if that's the way you're playing. I I don't think – there was never a point under Wenger where I thought, hmm, do you know what? I think we could stand to lose one of these guys. Never, 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 never. You always need those players. You have to have players that create chances. You can buy all the strikers in the world, but they need someone to create for them. And it doesn't have to be a number 10. It can be a deeper midfielder. It can be a fullback. You know, and that's what I love about some of the stuff Scott's doing lately in terms of filtering player comparisons and not filtering it by position. So in his kind of net here, he's got like Reese James, for example. And I love that. I love that. And, you know, we all know about Trent Alexander-Arnold being, you know, I mean, he's a fullback in name, but really he's a creative player because really what you've got to think about in football nowadays is like zones and areas rather than positions. So... For me, I'm not racking my brain thinking about what position this guy is going to play on. Play in it looks like what's the area he's going to play in, and that's what you get with Erdegaard. What's the area that he plays in? Not really a ten. He's not. Re- there's an area that he operates in, and I think it's much more interesting to think about it like that. But I, I, I love that this has come in. Um, kind of a little bit off the beat and um and and the other thing i'd say as well is you know transfers is so competitive now like fans view them so competitively and so when you see like when we see tottenham assigning someone it's like oh we've got to respond we've got to respond we need to announce a signing now and it's like clearly like come on clearly 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 Arsenal aren't just sitting there behind the scenes doing nothing and going oh fuck Spurs are signing Basuma oh that reminds me I, I <laughs> oh, meant to sign transfer window <laughs> uh, that reminds me of my, my my 40 million signing that I need to make oh it reminds me of um there was a very famous time where Liam Gallagher dropped out of an Oasis tour because quote unquote I forgot I need to buy a house yeah. <laughs> yeah. It kind of it just sneaks up me. on you. It's oh shit, yeah. Oh yeah, we've got to buy that 40 million midfielder. I knew ah oh, I I need to cancel the barbecue, you know. So <laughs> that, that's why I love it as well. It's like it's clearly there's stuff going on behind the scenes and there's clearly no matter how informed the reporting is, there's clearly stuff that like we don't and won't know about that comes out later. So I I really like this. And when you look at what we did last summer, when we bought a goalkeeper, three defenders, Sambi, and then Erdegaard, it's clear where we need the reinforcement this summer. And I'm really glad it looks like that's what we're addressing. Yep, that's all well said. And I agree with it all. And I I think looking at the player more specifically, first of all, he's not a kid, right? I mean, this isn't 18. This has just turned 22. So young enough that still a lot of growth, not the finished article, but at an age where you'd expect to start to be able to see, especially for the position he plays, more like complete first-team player output. Um, you know, kind of where you started to see it from a Martin Odegaard, for example, when he was on loan in La Liga and then on loan with us. Um, it is a position of need, creating more openings, more progressive passes, winning the ball up the pitch, unlocking defenses. Um, I think in terms of it being the kind of move that also maybe wants to get us back to a model where we aren't buying players for 72 and paying them to leave, buying players for 60 and paying them to leave, but rather buying them 
a little ahead of people being fully onto them. Now, again, this transfer fee isn't peanuts, but really being able to see the value grow in that player such that if you do lose them, you are able to acquire the the assets as a result of that sale to strengthen and potentially even get better. So I think we're getting back to a little bit of, of a sensible approach to squad building. Um, I should mention, by the way, if you're like, how do I keep up with any of these rumors? How do I keep up with this news? I got to give a shout out to one person because there is a user in our Discord, Cornballer. I know a lot of people have left Twitter or were never on Twitter to begin with. News now doesn't really work for me anymore. And and this this guy, who actually went to college with me, um, we have a channel for him that's just dubious transfer rumors. And literally every single rumor as it's breaking winds up in there in that channel on our discord and it's one of the first things i look at in the summer especially uh every morning just to be up to date with what's going on and so if you're a patron and you're in our discord definitely pin that make sure you look in there because he does great work and i do want to give him credit for it because it's it's a wonderful service he's providing now clive let's get on to the player a little bit more specifically and what's interesting here is at a, at a glance, you could say, hmm, backup for Martin Odegaard. I don't know that that's the plan, although that may initially be the plan. Um, likes to play in the right half space, left-footed, can pick a lock, great eye for a variety of passes, um, really good in tight spaces, really hard worker, and we'll get on to that in a minute because I, I want to talk about how Sal being his coach, is relevant here and how that translates to working with Arteta and the fact that we're going for guys like Gabriel Jesus who played for Pep and Arteta and going for guys who play for Concesao and we, we kind of have a, a an idea about culture of the club they're coming from and work ethic and things like that. But it it does look Martin Odegaard-y and, and in, in fairness, Martin Odegaard has felt a bit of like a single point of fail, failure similar to how Thomas Party has. Um, so I don't think it's bad to have a... a, a an Odegaard backup, but I don't think that's the limits of what he can do. So in terms of how he fits into the squad as a piece of the puzzle in the attack, beyond just being an Odegaard backup, and, and if you agree with that, where, where do you see him potentially slotting in and what problems do you think he might solve? Yeah, I'm trying not to put him into a shoebox yet until we see him in an Arsenal shirt, see what he looks he is like. He's quite small, actually. He might fit, yeah. depends on the shoes. Like if it were cowboy yeah, boots, he might fit exactly. in the box. I've read things that he's anywhere from five foot six to five foot nine. <laughs> it depends what you want to read. And so I think I saw, and there's a, it's really. As a five foot nine or myself, he's five foot six. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, hey, look, it's really nice when people get excited about somebody and there's been a rush to be an expert yesterday. It's just like, I was just having a little read around and a look around on the videos and it's really really exciting to see people get excited about a player I'm trying not to shoebox him yet I will absolutely agree what Tim said and it, it's something again where, where are we heading here we are heading to keeping the football to win by keeping the football like Man City do I love it just keep the football have people the ability to turn the right way and pass it there are footballers that have arrived like Tim, you know, Riziki and Kleb, when they arrived, they didn't have a number on their back. They were just a player that played in midfield. And then when they got the ball, they could play left, right, or in the middle, all of them. This kid can play left, right, or in the middle. He even played false nine. Right? So this is a modern, higher-up-the-zone footballer that can travel, that can influence in a way. And everyone's saying he's like um, Bernardo Silva. I have a slight disagreement. I'll explain to you later, Elliot, on the, on the video. I think yep. he's very much like, very much like Phil Foden, actually. 
I think he has that spring, that step, and the and the way he influences the game is like him. So when he plays wide, he is what I call a a bounce board wide man. Wide man. It's like when you do your training pitch, you put bounce boards on the outsides, and you use people to just bounce it back into you, and then combine and then come in. He's one of those bounce board wide men. You don't. You haven't always got to be a sprinter. You need to hold a position, and when you get it, you come in, you combine, and you two three phases into the box. He can play. I haven't seen him play false nine, but I will get to that on my video research later. I have seen him play left, and I have seen him play right. I did watch the Liverpool game where he did half decent, but I'll be honest with you, the player that I was looking at was Mateus Nunes, and that's the one I've been sending out on YouTube's, and that's the one I thought Arsenal will be looking at. He's a centre mid, a striding centre mid, exceptional player. I know Man City liked him. And I'm thinking, oh, I also got, and I had a little sneaky little feeling about him. And I didn't think about this for Eric. I didn't think about him at all. And it shows you, and, and by the way, he's not unknown. Spurs have looked at him. Liverpool, when they were went to buy Diaz, if you look at some of the comps from last year, Diaz is in all of them for Vieira because yep. he's passing to him, right? So, um, so when yep. Liverpool scouted Diaz and when Spurs scouted Diaz, this guy was obviously in their file of facts. And so we had to nip in and do the work and have done the work over previous weeks. So he's not unknown, but I must admit, the way he's been received by the football world world makes me think he is slightly unknown for the talent that he actually have. Under 21 player of the tournament. I mean, this is like, this is serious, serious credibility and serious CV. Again, mm-hmm. just calm myself down. Um, need to see him in the shorts. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Need to see him in the shorts. Yeah. I always say that. Need to see him on the grass. Need to see him in the shorts. But he's given us a signpost to how we want to play football. And it's with the football. And we're going to yeah. control games with the football in a technical way. When we lose it, we're going to have the speed and agility to get it back and then keep it and then keep going and keep going and keep going. And I hope I'm not going to upset him here, but we might strangle teams, Man City style. Which I saw, but maybe without all the other stuff around it, Tim. So we'll, we'll probably yeah. like it when we're doing it. Right? <laughs> so uh, it'll be less yeah, boring when it's us. It, we're absolutely, <laughs> and, uh, but that's it. Seems to be the direction we're going, doesn't it? And uh, I'm so interested to see what we do in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I think another player over at Porto that was the the young player that a lot of people were looking at was Vitinha. I, I'm probably saying that wrong, Vitinha. Um, but yeah. you know, this the the the, the comp that I heard uh, Zach Lowy say was that the way they play in the youth team is sort of like a Xavi Iniesta, where Vitinha is the Xavi and uh, Vieira is the Iniesta. And I, yeah, I, I would player. suggest that Iniesta is the one you want, <laughs> is, is, is how I view that. Um, we've already got El Nani to be the the Shaka, uh, the Shaka, the, the Xavi. Um, Tim, let's talk about an angle of this that that might be the the less exciting one. So sorry to give you this question. You can certainly use it as a springboard. And by the way, you t- typed into the chat that according to Melissa Reddy, Liverpool, Dortmund, and Madrid all looked at him. So good company, as you said. Um, so th- the angle that I want to talk about a little bit is just look. Everybody knows that I haven't been the biggest culture guy. Culture guy in terms of buying into that, um, but clearly it's important. And I, I think it, it it has had a positive impact. You know, I don't think it's enough, but I don't think it's a bad thing to make sure that the targets you're adding to your team fit your culture and your mindset and the attitude and all that. I don't think it's any accident that Gabriel Jesus is high on our leaderboard of players we want because of his talent, 
his availability, and the fact that he has worked with Pep, with Arteta, in a system we want to play, and Arteta understands what he's about as a, as a man, as a player, that we signed Odegaard after a loan, right? A comfort level with who he is as a man, that we signed Thomas Party coming from a culture of work, right? A culture of combativeness, of work, of seriousness. And Concesao gets compared to, you know, Atletico Madrid's very combative coach, right? Like, that's that's a comparison that's made. Um, I'm curious if you think that that does play a role, and I realize I'm I'm sort of begging the question as I as I set this up to you. This is what an attorney would call a leading question, but but you have a player who by all reports is a very serious professional, plays for a coach who demands work rate and demands seriousness. Concesao, not that there are coaches that don't, but you know what I mean. There are some that are more reputationally more associated with that. Concesao seems to be from what I've read and from what I've heard. So how do you feel about that component being a factor in the targets and, and potentially this target specifically? Yeah, I, I think it's um, <clears throat> I, I think it's definitely interesting some of the coaches we're buying from if that makes sense uh 100 yeah, it does mm-hmm. I, I think what this is um what this is more about is building more of a press because again what we're looking at now is arteta is finally able to build his own attack and Erdegaard was the first part of that and you know saka and smith have come in and obviously they're young they're good pressing players uh, Martinelli, you know, I think he came out of the womb pressing and uh, mm-hmm. harrying the midwife, uh, quite, quite <laughs> frankly. So Arteta's, you know, inherited some of those players. But, you know, Erdegaard, brilliant in the press. You can't press with Lacazette, Bamiang, and Pepe in any serious way. The, those players, like they can do it. Um, well, Lacazette can maybe do it for 45 minutes. Um, and, and to be fair to him, do it pretty well for 45 minutes, but he just runs out of gas. Like, we haven't been able to build Did you say 45 or 4 or 5? I wasn't quite sure. I didn't catch <laughs> for, for 4 Touché. or 5 minutes. <laughs> I do the jokes around here, Clive. Come on. Not, but, not the good ones, though. <laughs> but, but it seems to me, and, and you know, it seems to me that that's a contingency we're building in now. So Tierlemans, I think, can do that. Gabriel Jesus can definitely do that. It's one of the biggest parts of his game. Um, Inketia can do it, I think. I think he showed us that at the end of last season. And and it looks to me um, from the very little kind of clips I've seen that that Fabio Vieira can do that as well. And not only that, but his the, the thing that come out that comes out from the clips you see are those kind of small dancing feet. He can get past the press. He can go through crowds as well wherever he operates. So um, you know, and and I think. Um, maybe skipping ahead here a little bit. Um, I, I think you're completely right to, to point out some of the managers he's played for. And that thing I put in the, the chat about uh, Melissa Reddy, who's who's very connected to Liverpool, saying that Liverpool, Dortmund and Madrid, I mean, obviously, if you're looking at the same young players as Dortmund, would say that's good. In years gone past, Madrid would never have a part of that conversation. They do now. Look at the midfield they're building underneath yep. that veteran midfield they've got. And they've got Camavinga. They've got their they're building for the future. And they've looked at him as well. So I'd say, you know, almost I don't know whether scouts do this, 
But if scouts go into crowds and think, oh, yeah, that's the scout from that club. I'm doing – there's the scout from Brighton over there. I'm at the right mm-hmm. place. Like, scout, scouting scouts. <laughs> like, where, where's the Brighton scout going this week? I'll F- just follow, follow him. him around. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, like, the, these are – you know, and Madrid are repositioning themselves as well, I think, a little bit in response to the kind of wealth of the Premier League. Of, okay, maybe we're going to have to find the Camavingas. And, you know, rather than buying him for, like, 200 million when he's 28, um, for example, like maybe they've been burned a little bit by the Eden Hazard thing and the kind of uh, we should have bought him from Lille when he was 23, not, you know, when he's a stone overweight from Chelsea at 29. So th- those are good circles to move in. But the the, the thing, and sorry, I'm probably skipping ahead here. The thing Please I do. really like about this is I think uh, Jess put out a brilliant tweet last night because uh, you know, obviously, the, there's all this kind of where's he going to fit in? Who's how, how's he going to play? We need him to play every minute of every game, and and she just tweeted something like, "We've got to lose this idea of backup players." Yeah. Um, and so, and I'm thinking we've got to lose this idea about like El Nenis and and guys who come in just when everyone's injured and you've got no choice. Like, you know, you've got to have a core of at least 16, 17 players who who come in and out. And I think the the optimum that you want from squad players, and this is why I think it's always a good idea to have quite young squad players, is guys who can operate in different areas. If you go and buy a backup for Saka, they might, if Saka doesn't get injured, they might be stranded on like 400 minutes a season. If you just buy a backup for Erdegaard, same deal. If he doesn't get injured, you're not going to get any game time. I think guys who can operate like, but if you've got one guy that backs up Saka and Erdegaard, they're much more involved. And first of all, from a morale point of view, you need your squad players to be involved for them to touch the ball <laughs> a bit more. And then you avoid this situation we got into last season where someone like Sambi Lakonga, you know, was in a tracksuit for four months. And then when we needed him, he was rusty. Ditto Tavares, you know, kicking his heels on the bench for four months. Ah, oh, fuck, Tierney's out. We need you now. But we haven't been able to give you football. So having squad players who are much more in touch. And I, I, I've i got no idea, right? But I'd love to think that um, that Vieira can play right side for Saka, can play the Erdogan role and maybe play the left eight role as well. And and again, he might not get yeah. in ahead of Xhaka slash Tielemans, Erdegaard or Saka, but if he can understudy all three of them, there's plenty of games for him there if, if none of those players get injured. And that's that's what I, I think I like about this move, but obviously I have to wait and see. Yeah, well said. Just a, a quick point also about the, the way he was used this season. I mean, look, the Portuguese league has some good teams at the top. It obviously has some weaker teams as you move down the line. But, you know, he did play against Liverpool in the Champions League. He did play, oh, well, 10 minutes against Atletico Madrid. He did play 45 minutes against Lazio in a win. Um, he did play against Lyon uh, only 11 minutes in the first leg, but 90 minutes in the second leg. Had an assist, had four shot-creating actions, a goal-creating action, um, you know, a couple of dribbles. He had three dribbles against Liverpool and and a couple of shot creating actions. You know, I mean, he, my point is he didn't just put his numbers up against the bottom half of the Portuguese league. He did play. Yeah, uh, yeah go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say that the other thing I, I like about this as well, again, Liverpool fan club podcast, you know, you look at the stuff oh, Liverpool do. They They very rarely go, we're selling this player and bringing this player in. They replace the player six months or a year before they leave. So that front three, 
the Sala Firmino Mane. At time of recording, Mane's going to go. They're all at the club and they've replaced all three of them already. And two of those guys, like Jot has been there 18 months now. You know, uh, Diaz has been there six months. What they don't do is one in, one out. So when the guy comes in, he has six months or a year to adapt. And that's exactly what, you know, I'm not suggesting that like Fabio Vieira is going to like replace anyone or anything, but he's not under immediate pressure to write. You're in the starting lineup and you need to produce now. Like he can have that six months or a season, you know, to get used to things. And then, and then maybe this time next year, when we do the kind of, who do you expect to be the most improved player? Maybe his name comes up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, I mean, all right, well, let, let's talk a little bit about the downstream effects here on the actual squad, but also what it says for the type of squad we're building. I, w- I will say, by the way, he did play 82 minutes against Benfica, had a goal. He did play against uh, Sporting, 89 minutes, goal and an assist. So this is a guy who's, when he's on, he's he's providing that output. He's prolific. He, um, he did have six goals and 13 assists, as I mentioned, and took three over three shots per 90 Again, 1,300 minutes, so it's a small sample size, but not a minuscule sample size. I think it's a, a good look at who the player is. Um, and it's exciting. You know, I mean, the one thing at a minimum, you want to be able to be excited about your targets. You know, when you sign a Willian, I mean, you can make an argument for yourself about why it might work out, but no one can pretend that it's, like, really exciting to do that. I think this fits into that very exciting. It came out of nowhere. He's a pretty well-regarded young player, but not so young that he's like a Marquinhos where you're like, I may not see him play for a season or two. He's going to come in. He's going to play. It's exciting. And I I think we should allow ourselves, at least at this moment, to focus on the good stuff about it. You know, the the stuff that really does look exciting. Um, And that's what I'm doing. You know, I, I think what it shows you is that if you're creative in the way you recruit your talent, you can build a really interesting squad. That goes for Arsenal, and that goes for your business. And if you want to be creative in the way you recruit your talent, the only way you're going to be able to have the kind of results that you're looking for is if you use the best company in the world for attracting, interviewing, and hiring talent all in one place, and that's Indeed. That's right, you knew that. You knew that was coming. Indeed is the hiring partner that lets you do it all. With tools like Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get matches on uh, you, uh, you get candidates on Indeed that match your must-have job requirements or else you don't pay. Now, I want to tell you about one of the specific features of Indeed, and that's virtual interviews. And I think this is interesting, right? Because the pandemic is moving to a different stage now, but the legacy of the pandemic is hybrid work environments, work from home, right? That's the thing that people are really expecting more, and I think it's been a really good thing for work-life balance. But that means the interview process is moving virtual. And so Indeed has virtual interviews. And with virtual interviews, it saves you time. You can message, you can schedule, you can interview top talent seamlessly all in one place. They make it easy to connect with your applicants. You don't have to install anything. Nothing extra. Indeed's virtual interviews work right from your browser. Saves you headaches, right? No downloads. You don't need any technical skills whatsoever, which is always helpful. And after using virtual interviews, most employers said it saved them days of hiring time according to Indeed data. Okay? So... Not only are you going to get all the benefits we've always talked about with Indeed, you get this virtual interview feature. Sign up for Indeed right now and get a $75 credit towards your first sponsored job plus earn up to $500 extra in sponsored job credits with Indeed's virtual interviews. Visit Indeed.com slash BlueWire to learn more. Claim your credits at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. You need to hire. You need Indeed. And what is the first thing I do every morning? <laughs> 
I get 12 ounces of water. I put in a scoop of the AG1, shake it up a little bit, drink it down, tastes good, got kind of like a vanilla quality to it. And for my focus, for my gut health, for my energy, waking up at different times lately, recording this podcast at 6 a.m., need that. And AG1 gives me everything I need. And, and it's funny because, you know, I, I am someone who finds it hard to start new habits. And I had a shelf full of vitamin gummies and, you know, probiotic gummies. And they're probably not very good. And they're all sugary and they don't do anything good for you. And they're all gone. And I replaced it with AG1. And it was one of those things. They sent it to me. I was like, yeah, I'll give this a try. And I have a friend, Ian, who is a, uh, a doctor and a season ticket holder at the Arsenal. And he was in my house. And he saw the AG1. He's like, oh, I take that. I'm like, well, you know, that's that's a pretty good sign, right? <laughs> when like one of the more celebrated doctors in your area is is taking something, that that's a good sign. So I was like, okay, I'm definitely going to try this. And there's so many good things about it that I that I should mention. First of all, lifestyle friendly, because I do know some of you listening maybe uh, on a, a certain kind of diet plan. So whether that's keto or paleo or vegan or dairy free or gluten free, it works with all those different diet plans. It's got less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals. Okay. Supports better sleep quality and recovery, mental clarity and alertness. And so one thing with the best things, okay? It's a small micro habit, right? So it's like a good for that biome in your gut. It's also uh, cost-effective. It costs less than $3 a day, less than one of your you know fancy coffees. and has over 7,000 five-star reviews. So to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of a moon, a moon, a moon? Immune-supporting, immune-supporting vitamin D, and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash vision. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash vision to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Do it now. Clive, is that enough of that? Indeed. Thank you, sir. Consummate professional, this guy. Okay. So I got to say, you know, as I look at this and I look at the squad we're building— I do see kind of Liverpool and City, but I realize Liverpool and City just went for Darwin Nunez and and Erling Holland, so it looks like it's not. But you know, City had this mush of talented, technical, small, you know, uh, prolific players that they could mix and match, right? Gabriel Jesus and Sterling and Foden and Bernardo Silva and David Silva and you know all these different players. I guess Kevin De Bruyne is a little more power to it too. He's he's sort of a unicorn, but set that aside for a moment. And Liverpool, I mean, look at all of the the, the sort of samey, samey type qualities they had up front, whether it was Salah or Mane or Diaz or Jota, right? And, and Firmino, again, maybe a little bit different from that, but but they could put all that out there. And now I look and I see Martinelli and Smith-Rowe and Saka and maybe Gabriel Jesus and Odegaard and Vieira, and you've got technical quality. Keep the ball, win the ball, pass the ball, score the ball. I mean, it's so easy when you say it that way. It's a wonder we don't do it 90 or 100 times a, a season, and maybe we will. Um, I do think we are building a flexible, technical attack of players that are sort of plug-and-play. We saw very, very briefly at the end of the season, Clive Saka slide into the left eight. Looked very natural there. We've seen Smith Rowe play the Odegaard role. We've seen him play left wide forward. We've seen Martinelli play on the right and center forward, right? Gabriel Jesus, we know, can play across the whole front line. And Vieira, I think, can play wide forward if asked, can play left eight, right eight. Do you think that's the plan, that this becomes sort of a, a mush of just technical young attackers who all can play the philosophy Arteta wants but don't need to be a fixed point in a fixed system and we can just sort of 
slot them in as needed. Is that the group we're trying to build? Yes, that is the plan. And I think we're not we're not buying to shirt numbers, we're buying to principles of play. And it's far more that way. It's it's about how you move, receive, what you do in small spaces. You, you heard me say that the, the game has changed now into a game of inches. I've said it a few times, and, and what you do in those inches, in and out of collisions and press movements and keeping your head up and keeping the ball, one-two passes, that's it. Having a level of speed and intensity, you can't be a team of joggers. Another one of my phrases, right? We used to have a team of joggers jogging around a big pitch with defenders that were scared to stand on the halfway line and midfielders that jogged. And when you think back, yeah. it's just disaster. Disaster. Doesn't sound good when you say it like that. <laughs> well, I may, have said, I may have said it a few times with different swear words wrapped around it, but I'm trying not to swear anymore. <laughs> right? So a team of joggers. But to that point, though, and I, and I critique myself on this, when you have that problem, you then look at solutions. And a pursuer now is a solution to that problem. But what really is the solution to that problem is having proper centre-halves and a goalkeeper that can look after the ball and a fullback that can run two ways, you know, a right-back in particular. So you can play where you want to play. And then your requirements change in midfield. Right? So we don't need them to pursue them anymore unless we're going to not going to sign El Nene and we're going to have them as a, a true number six. But there are better options for that. Right? So, and so the requirements change based on the style of play you're, you're looking to play and the principles by which you want to play. And so this is always the exciting thing this summer. What are we going to be like? Who are we trying to be like? What are, are the principles of play that Arteta wants to invest in? And what does this mean for people? What does this mean? You know, let's let's talk about this now, right? You know, there are players like Smith Rowe, hasn't got a shirt number for me. Um, play Where can he play? Not sure yet, but he can play. He plays by the principles of which Arteta believes in. Same for Saka, same for Martinelli. So no problem there. Granite Shaka now, interesting one. No, yeah, interesting agree. one. Because Especially if we get Tielemans. Yeah. yeah, interesting one. Because he's not really a true six on his own. He's a double pivot guy, without a doubt. Left side to somebody. So you play double pivot, can't get much better than him. Right? So very good player. Again, he played almost every, I think he played every minute of the Four Nations League game for Switzerland. I mean, the guy's a machine. Right? So, and... But now we're asking to do something that maybe his technical principles are not quite with us, you know? And so you can see yeah. something there. El Nini can do the sixth role. You may not like it, but he can do it. And the technical principles which he has for that role are are there. Sammy can do both roles, eight and six. And the way, again, by the way, which plays the ball, we attains it, keeps it, follows it, combines the principles by which we live, you know, a la Arsenal 2008, the principles by which we live by are in that boy's feet. It's just about having time and experience. I think on the exterior of the team, like the centre-backs and maybe on the full-backs, I like to see a little bit more power and speed to make sure you don't look vulnerable, right? There are yeah. different principles in those roles. Potentially at centre-forward, there are different principles in those roles in the exterior versus to the interior and the distances by which you play. Right, So when yep. you play at the back, you have to have the ability to expand quickly based on the fact that you're squeezing up. So when they when you have to drop off and, and go into races, you've got to win them. Right? So, and if you want to expand quickly in the forward areas, in wide areas, or in the top end of the pitch, you've got to have the ability to play big space and small space. Right? So, And yep. so these are the principles by which we are developing and, and choosing players. And it's not to critique. Uh, I, don't, I don't mean to critique Granit Xhaka. It's not a critique on him. 
but teams evolve and this team yeah, is evolving and sometimes many of us at work sometimes the job evolves away from you from your primary skills and that's not a problem you just go to a different project or a different job or a different role or you you get a, right. a move at work that, that fits your primary skill set and that's the life that is life right you just got to recognize it ahead of time and so i look at this and think oh this is so interesting where we're going do i like it yeah i like it do I like the fact these kids come in a decent number and we all know we can amortize that over four years or so, but his weekly salary is under £50,000 a week. And this tells is that, you... Is that, sorry, is it, they're reporting on that? Sorry, just just because I hadn't seen it and that's interesting. To hear yeah, that. I've seen I it. I had read 130 somewhere and so A month. That, uh, 130 uh, a, month. a month. If I've got it wrong, someone will tell me, right? So I think it's that number, right? So interesting. Okay. So so yeah, it's a it's that a, makes more it, sense to be fair. Because yeah. he's probably on like ten grand a week at at Porto, if that. You know? Yeah, and so some and these things it's early days of reporting, right? right? So this right, is no right, doubt yep. change. But see, look at Darwin Nunes. He's not on the one eighty that Lacazette got when he walked in, or the one forty when um, Pepe got when he walked in. I think he's on the early one hundreds. Right, again, a young player with a big number next to him, but your ability to pay year on year, you're managing it. Do you know what I mean? And this is what teams are doing now. They're thinking, you know what? We might get robbed on the transfer fee. We're not going to get robbed on wages as well. We have revenue year on year to look after. We're not going to get robbed there. And also, when you have a player on a decent wage, you can move them. Unlike we can't move Pepe now, he's on 140, who wants it? Do you know what I mean? It's very yeah. difficult, right? You got you got to swallow some of that on the way out the door. So the football world is changing, contractually is changing, the priorities are changing. When Arsenal went under twenty three last year, I thought it was exciting and nice and a bit lestery. But this is something we're doing continually now, and around that range, around that thirty forty range, twenty five and under, mate. It's what you've always dreamed for, isn't it, Elliot? It's what you've always dreamed it, for. It is, and let's make no illusions, right? You. Unless you just get insanely lucky, you are unlikely to build a title-winning team buying 22-year-olds because the odds that they all develop as you hope, that they all become what you need, that they even stay into their prime are pretty low. The odds that Saka and Smithrow and Martinelli and Vieira, all you know, and Kedia all develop the Sambi Lakanga into what we need them to be that may be low, but that's why you get a Yuri Tielemans. That's why you get a Gabriel Jesus so you can add some more predictable prime-age talent. But you don't go to $72 million for a Pepe to do it and leave yourself without a lot of wiggle room. And by the way, those players could all develop, as we hope, and that's when you hit that 99% outcome and you do what Liverpool did. Um, I think we all accept that with the money that's at City and now at Newcastle and you know, potentially at least for a time still at Chelsea and at United, for us to be a title-winning team again, we have to flex a little of the financial might we have for sure, but we are going to need to be sharper than them. That's the remit. Being sharper than United seems pretty doable. Being sharper than Liverpool, than City and Chelsea and Newcastle with greater resources, you know, that's going to be hard. And and so you have to be able to find moves like this and then have them hit their 90th plus percentile outcome. Yeah, if all these players hit their 40th percentile outcome, you're not going to be very good. But you know what? When a 72 million pound player hits his 40th percentile outcome, you're absolutely screwed. 
and we've, you know, we've experienced that firsthand. I think there is an interesting question to be had about Pepe, by the way, staying and having a role in the team. I don't expect it to happen, but he's not a bad player. He is not a bad player. And if he could be engaged, he will never be what we needed him to be when we paid what we paid. But can he be a uh, Clive? Yeah. Yeah, I hear where you're going there. I almost want to. I've, I've had the same thoughts, obviously, over the season. You, you know, I've shouted for him. But in the end, I don't see the investment to manipulate him into positions to see what he yeah. can do. Do you know what I mean? There were a time we needed a false nine. We didn't try him there. You know, we didn't try him. We just we just didn't try him. And so, I, I, although I'm always one for the imperfect players and how we can get squeezed more out of them, not feeling it, mate. I'm not feeling yeah, it. That I, I'm he's, not either. He's, he's going to stay. And I think, I think we just have to swallow it and see where it goes. You know what it is, though? He's he's not William, and what I mean by that is no, William staying. He he had nothing to give us really at, by the by the end, in my view. Nicola Pepe is a player I still believe, maybe foolishly, can give us something. I mean, even in our run in, the goal he scored against Wolves was an important goal and a good goal. I realize he just did not do enough of that down the stretch. But if you said to me, "Hey, we're gonna have this young mush of technical, talented players that I already named," and Pepe is there at twenty six, twenty at twenty seven years old. And he can be used, you know, maybe even it's 1,500 minutes, maybe it's 1,300 minutes, maybe it's 1,000 minutes. If there was a way that Mikel could integrate him, we're getting off track here, that's yeah. a player that I think could still have value, more value to us than paying him to leave. But that, you know, that's that's maybe a conversation be for another decided, time. Right? We'll see how that shakes out. See what offers come in. Because I watched him play Ivory Coast versus France, and he played really well. Mm-hmm really yeah. well and that was almost like him saying look guys I'm here in France all you people are still watching me that still thought yeah. I was brilliant when I left and he played really well in that game and I'm thinking there could be a market for him in France so let's see what happens right so Tim as far as Vieira coming in and taking a place let, let's let's start to flesh this out right I mean obviously the Europa League and the domestic cups are a place he can play he can start he can have whatever role he wants Right-sided player who favors his left foot. Odegaard does that. Saka does that. I think he could slot into either of those roles. We need someone to spell Saka and things like the Europa League group stage, and I think he'd be comfortable on that side. I say, only knowing things about him that I've been told. We're going to do the scouting video in a matter of hours, and then I will be an expert. Um, But I think... The Shaka question is an interesting one. I think as we all saw the move to the 4-3-3 and Shaka sliding up higher up the pitch, we we clearly saw him able to do it, which is a credit to his flexibility and his ability to follow instructions and think his way through the game. But he was really thinking his way through the game. I don't think he had the skill set to really give us on that side of the pitch what we were getting from Odegaard on the other side. I think Tielemans is being brought in to be that guy. But I'm curious how you feel about Vieira potentially being that guy, and if the Tielemans and Vieira links are meant to be two players to replace what we might lose in a Granite Shaka. Have we seen him potentially? I know legally this is not allowed, but reach the end of his time at Arsenal. It, it's definitely on the table. I think, like, if I were a betting man, I'd say it's more that Saka guard cover and maybe a bit of. Um, right uh sorry left eight cover thrown in but it's definitely it's it's in the range of outcomes it could easily be that you know because i'm sure in targeting telemans there has to have been a discussion between arteta and jacker right because 
I mean, hopefully, proactively, but if not, I'm sure Xhaka would have been tapping on the door and saying, what does this mean for me? Yep. And, and you know, like it, it's definitely in the range of outcomes that Arteta said, look, you, you know, you're not going to play every minute of every game anymore because because we're going to bring in Tielemans. And, and it's in the range of outcomes that Xhaka would have said, okay, actually, I think that's my lot. And, you know, maybe this is, a, okay, okay, we'll give you your move. Let us replace you first. This is how we're going to replace you. And then the money we've spent there, we will get some of that back by selling. It, it's it's a possibility. I, do, I don't think that that's what will happen, but it wouldn't absolutely shock and surprise me if it was, because I, I do think it's an interesting discussion about Xhaka, um, not just the extent to which he'll, you know, clearly he won't want the demotion in, in role, whatever that looks like. Um, he clearly won't want that. And I also think there is a question about his suitability anyway. I mean, we don't really know because we haven't seen it. But, you know, the last six years he's been at Arsenal, other than the first couple of months, he's played every game. He plays every game for Switzerland. You know, very, very available. Has only really had one injury at the beginning of last season that I can remember. Um, and, you know, m- maybe I, I know it wouldn't surprise me if he is that type of player who probably knows his own body and knows he needs that rhythm of games. Like, I need to play every minute of every game I don't hear about the place so like physically I'm fine to do that and and you know and and or maybe it's even preemptively Arteta maybe even says actually we like we need an understudy in this role and we don't think you're that guy who knows who knows maybe they had this discussion last summer when they extended the contract maybe they extended the contract and said okay what we're doing is we're building some contingency um so we can get a better price for you next summer again all could have happened, right? That, that yeah. discussion, for example, we know that discussion was had with Koscielny under Unai Emery. And then like the breakdown there was then that, you know, something changed. Oh, sorry, it was with Arsene Wenger and then Emery came in and, and something changed um, effectively in, in that agreement. So it, it's all on the table. It's all on the table. We know so little about this transfer. Like we all understand why we're targeting Tielemans and Jesus. Those are exactly the areas of the team that everybody, I think, would suggest are the priorities in terms of, um, up, you know, upskilling the first eleven. Um, yep. But Vieira, this has come out of, out of the blue so much. All, all of those possibilities are on the table, and and personally, I'm kind of excited about all of them because I'm kind of all right with all of them if that yep. makes sense and and if that is what Vieira's coming in to do be that like left eight back up I guess then then we've got a clear model for what we want there because Tielemans and Vieira I mean they're different types of player but they're not Xhaka are they they're no. not number sixes who've been like they're there to almost do more of a David Silva role um, and again we, we might pivot from talking about Liverpool all the time to Man City um, now, but it, it could very much be. Yep, yeah, we want Erdegaard and you know another guy who can pick the lock and look for that pass. And I'm all for that because we have to score a lot more goals, and that means we need a lot more creative potential. And the thing we can't forget here, while we try and hold on and think, oh God, so oh we've got 14 players, but we can only play 11. <laughs> look, we finished 38 points behind Manchester City last season. Right, yeah. and we're not we're not going to go there in one season, but that's the bar. Thirty eight points. It's a chasm, an absolute chasm, and we need lots of quality players to start to even yeah. think about bridging it. And what you need to think about is we're not going to be thirty eight points better this season. But when Saka's twenty five and Martinelli's twenty five and Jesus is twenty eight 
and Tielemans is 29, and Vieira is 25, 24, 25. Can we be 38 points? You know what I mean? And Odegaard is 26, because that that's when it can happen, and that's when it happened for Liverpool. And, um, you know, I, I do think there's an interesting point here, right? I think Mikel Arteta probably understands Thomas Partey is a single point of failure. He just is. You know what we're not going to get? We're not going to get another Thomas Partey. We're not going to be able to find a guy that we can say, here, go be the entire midfield, and when you're gone, the midfield looks like a disaster. But maybe what we've recognized is, if if party's unavailable or not at his best, and we have to play a double pivot, or we have to have you know a, a, a player that comes back who, who can't do the two-way role that, that party does, we need another creative influence on the pitch in that double pivot. And that's Tielemans. You know, Tielemans can play the left eight in the 4-3-3, but maybe if we have to use Elneny or Sambi Lakanga and put someone next to him, you put a Tielemans next to him instead of a Shaka, and you just retain a little bit more of the go forward. I, I heard Clive talking about carrying the ball with Scott on the Patreon pod and the way they were talking about carrying the ball, and I loved it. You know, and I was thinking, I was shouting at my phone as, Clive is want to do when he's not on a pod. And I was thinking, you know, Shaka carries the ball to the first resistance, to where the pressure is or to where the defense is. Tielemans carries the ball beyond it, right? Tielemans carries the ball to get beyond the first line of resistance. And that's what we need. And so uh, you start to see an ability to say, we're going to eliminate these single points of failure. If Odegaard's out, Vieira is in. If Party's out, Tielemans drops into a double pivot with Sambi or with Elneny, and we retain a little attacking quality. You know, if Saka's not there, if Martinelli's not there, if Smith-Rowe's not there, if is not there or Jesus is not there, we have abilities to not just reconstitute, but do it while while keeping our principles of play. And I think that's a really intelligent thing. And literally, as we're talking, news is breaking that Enkedia's deal is done and will be announced momentarily. And I have to admit, in a striker market where guys with half a good season under their belt are going for 80 and 100 million, this is a roll of the dice on his talent. But he is English. He has proven he's got some talent. He wants to be at Arsenal. He's clearly a guy Arteta loves, which says that he's going to be a good guy to have in the group. And I don't think Eddie Nketiah is the 2,000, 2,500-minute striker. I think he is a guy who is going to get a chance to show that he can do more of what he did last season. But I think he gives us a little bit of flexibility. Because in that world where we have Jesus and Saka and Martinelli and Smith-Rowe and Vieira and Odegaard, Nketiah is something a little different. He is something a little different. And I do think you need to have that in your arsenal, he says self-referentially. Um, so that looks good that that is done. I, you know, this is why it's also silly to be like, well, if we just sign Jesus and Tielemans, we're not going to be good enough. Because the transfer window will shock you. Some ways, sometimes it's bad. All you do is buy Petr Cech and you go, really? And sometimes you buy five players and they all wind up being in your first team. So who knows? Clive, if the window winds up being Jesus and Tielemans and Marquinhos and Vieira, and that's really it, do you regard that as filling enough of the holes we needed to fill in this window that we can go attack the the goals that we have for next season? Yeah, I think we're there. Uh, I feel a little bit, we're well, missing Saliba, by the way, which I think is amazing. So, well, player. right. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's like we'll a new see. signing. <laughs> Stay tuned. Stay, well, yeah, who knows? Let's see what happens we'll there, right? So mm-hmm. um, are they going to, are they going to look at a left foot center back and, and recycle one of our right foot center backs? Um, you know, Rob Holding, for example. We'll wait and see. Uh, see how important that principle really is. Or are we going to use Tommy Yasu as a centre-back cover and maybe look at a right-back um, player that can play there a little bit more? But then Ben White and Sleeper can definitely do that in a Tommy Yasu style. So, yeah, 
I think we're okay there. I think we have to take a breath and remember that we have Sambi Lakonga, who I think is a very exciting player that just grazed his knee a little bit last year. Some of it his fault, some of it ours. And I mm-hmm. think he will come back, and he'll come back strong. Again, back to the principle by which we play. None of us do. None of us see a a future that where he's not in it. Right. Well, I hope none of us do. You know, people have a view on where he is in his development, but that word development is the key thing here. And we're here to develop him. And he's 21, 22. And we bring another player in. They're all excited for today. I wonder how, how we give him time to develop as well. He's three stones soaking wet. He's going to need time to develop, build his strength, and go from there. We have to remember that he's 22 years of age, going to a new league, one club guy. Let's see what he does. Um, when he when he jogs across our lovely green grass, right? So I think there's that. I think development of young players is is like a signing almost. You know, I expect, I'm hoping that Smith Rowe can do his stretches and come back in some sort of physical shape because we've lost him a little bit, haven't we? I watched him for the 21s. He's lost his zip. He's lost it. Saka's lost his zip because he's tired. You know, Martelli hasn't scored since Watford. Once he gets rested, he'll come back and he'll be back again, you know? So there's improvement within our group. I feel, um, I do think there's, I feel there's one more, but I don't know what it is. And three days ago, I didn't know about Fabio Vieira, right? So I, I don't know what it right. is. I like the Tielemans option. And for that, I will remind you again from watching him, because we know about him, so we had a good chance to study him. He can play all three of the four three three positions. All three of them with comfort. The last Belgian game against Poland, he was man of the match. Right? So he's a proper player. You know, so I think it takes away some of the party fears as well. And then he's there for for specific. Zambri's there, can do six and eight. I think we're okay. I think we're okay. But more importantly, we look like a group of players that play an Arsenal way. You know, we've been here before. Tim, we've been here before, haven't we, mate? We've been here before with in 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 the early two thousands, and this, we're going back to that model of having players that you can almost pick an Arsenal signing. Oh, he'll go to Arsenal and have a number eight ten, good on the ball, inside and out, turns out of That's pressure. That's what Arteta said. Yeah, <clears throat> right. We, we used to have Santi. We used to have Rosicky. We used to have Club. We used to have Sesk. We need to get back to being thought of that way. Right Slow before. Because, you know, that is one thing, right? Like, clubs get a reputation for developing certain types of talent or being places, like you said, oh, that's an Arsenal player, right? Um, he's a Klopp player. He's a Pep player. And we, we do want that reputation so that those kind of players see us as a destination in yeah. addition to the money we pay and the competitions we're in. And I do think the club deserves credit. Oh, sorry, finish finish up. Yeah. I just want to say this because he's really important. I think I think you may be head going here, so sorry if I've cut you off. But I, people say I'm worried too much about perception. But I do think mm-hmm. when you're building a project, you're building a you're building something that you can pick up and sell to people. You can sell to agents. You can sell to young players. This is where we're going. This is how we're operating. The Manchester United got all the biggest checkbook in the world. What are they? What are they? What are they selling you? What are they selling right. you right now? We're not sure. We're not sure. The difference between our youth project of 2008, whenever it was, and Tim knows all the details and all the dates and all the signings and in order, because that's the way, the way his brain works. Um, I think the difference then is that we were seen, we were as an outlier. And everyone thought, what are they doing? Who do them fancy dance think they are? I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll kick them off the bleeding pitch. And it was allowed to happen. 
it was allowed to happen because we're the only ones that were doing it. We're young players and, and we were forced to do it fiscally, but we were the only ones doing it and we got kicked off the pitch, right? So this time now, we're not the only ones doing it. We're not the only ones that are building young technical players in interior and exterior. <clears throat> we may be the one most extreme with our age group, yeah. but we're not the only ones doing it. So I, this has got a real opportunity to succeed if we allow the environment for these players to develop. Yeah, well said. And what, what I was going to say about the club deserving credit is like, we made some silly moves. We overpaid for Pepe. We signed William. We all know what they are. We, you know, we don't have to go back. But if you look at Tomiyasu, for example, if you look at the Vieira signing, I think the Odegaard signing falls into this category a little bit. You start to look at the Gabriel Magalhães signing. There have been a lot of moves in this project that are players that we were clever. We saw value in the market. We saw a player that wasn't the first name on people's lips. Who knew Tomiyasu before we signed him? Who knew Gabriel Magalhães before we signed him? Who knew Fabio Vieira? Martin Odegaard was known, but he was sort of post-hype, right? He had been out on loan. He had never made it into Real Madrid's team. We saw an opportunity there. And I think we have blended academy talent, some more known names that we were willing to pay market value for, market rate for. Benjamin White falls in that category. Thomas Party falls into that category with players that were outside the center bullseye of known transfer talent, but not all the way out on the edges like a Martinelli or a Ganduzi. This one is that ring, I think, just inside of that. A superstar the season before he becomes Luis Suarez, before he becomes Erling Holland, before he becomes Darwin Nunez. And um, I don't want him, us to sell him for $100 million yet, but in five seasons after we've won the treble twice, then we can do that. Final thought, Tim, before we say goodbye. Yeah, I, th- I think that's all right. And the, and the thing about having like a, a brand, I guess, is what we're talking about here, mm-hmm. right? And if you're Arsenal and you're, because it, it becomes self-fulfilling after a while, right? You're trying to buy young players. You're trying to attract young players. I, I think by the sounds of it, it sounds like Tielemans and Jesus at the very least are very, very open to joining Arsenal. And that that's great. That's really great that these guys who are 25 years old think, yeah, I can go to Arsenal, definitely. That that looks like... And it goes back to something Per Mertesacker said a year or two ago about how Arsenal lost their way, um, you know, doing, like, the bigger signing. And the problem with doing that is, like, Arsenal doing the bigger signing all the time. Well, Man City can go three times bigger, and that's your competition, so you have to be a bit smarter. But, you know, I put in the chat there, why did Dortmund get Erling Haaland, right? Because it's 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 the perfect bridge club for you, yeah. right? It's like you go to Dortmund, you'll challenge for the Bundesliga. You probably won't win it, but you'll challenge for it, and then you'll get your big move. And and the the big one that I was very across for a while was Shakhtar Donetsk. Shakhtar Donetsk is now still they've gone away from the strategy a bit, but they made themselves the home for Brazilian talent. They said, "Come to us. You'll play in the Champions League. You'll win the league every year." We'll polish you up, get all your rough edges off you, and then we'll give you a big move to Manchester City yeah. or Chelsea or whoever. And, you know, I mean, hopefully what we're doing is building a team rather than, you know, making money to sell players. And and I do think you've got more chance of doing that if these guys are together. You know, I, I'm not naive about that. I know that if Ben White has a blinder of a season next year and Man City come in for him and offer to triple his wages and all of that, like I'm not blind to any of that. But I do think 
you have got a better chance of keeping a team like this together. And I do think that that's a big reason why players like Tielemans and Jesus, I'm not sure they'd have been so attracted to coming to Arsenal two years ago. I think now they're thinking, oh yeah, there are a lot of guys around there who are around the same age as me and they're building something like for the future. And there's, there's like a project here. And I do Mm. think that matters to players now. And the more you do that, the more it becomes self-fulfilling. It's like an economies of scale effect. Same for Liverpool at the moment. Nunes, I'm sure Nunes had loads of... So the reporting tells you that Man United were in for Nunes uh, and they pulled out once they realised Liverpool were in there. It's not that they can't outspend Liverpool. It's that they know at the moment, well, if anyone's got a choice between Liverpool and United, they're going to Liverpool. And United are in such a state that they have to accept that at the moment. It's which, crazy, yeah. Which, which should hurt them quite a lot. And so that, that's what you're, you're trying to build. You're trying to build a brand for your club, for your players. And, awesome. and yeah, get, getting the guy who finished player of the tournament in the, was it the last under-21s championship? That, mm-hmm. That's exactly that's exactly who I want, you know, yep. Arsenal to be and the that, home of, and that's why culture is important, Elliot. I'm afraid it is important. It is, it is important. Agreed. Liverpool's culture is there for everyone to see. Manchester United culture is ripped to pieces. They're going to have to rebuild <laughs> yep. it, and you're going to see this year how many. Let's count how many times the main United fans are going to say we need to do an Arsenal and rebuild. You watch that. That's going to be the next phase of what they're doing. They need to be brave. If they're brave, they can re- rebuild their brand again, rebuild their stadium, rebuild their training ground, all the things they should have done rather than scream interest off the top of their accounts. It's, uh, they've got work to do, but hopefully they're going to work. I, I mean it because I'm a football fan, right? I hope they do it. I hope they do it properly. They're going to have to come down to come back, but what have we done? Come down to come back. And there's only three places, yep. but we're on our way back. We're on our way back. I think it's an exciting transfer, not just because I think he's going to be a superstar, but I think it what it signals in terms of the thoughtfulness of the project, the the talent identification, the shrewd operation within the market, the ability to attract. Apparently, this player was looked at by Tottenham. He only wanted Arsenal. You know, we we sort of act like no one wants to go to us anymore. Well, obviously, there are some players that still want to be at Arsenal, and. You know, I think sometimes we have to step back from our own disappointment with our situation in the moment and and take a, a, a widen our lens a little bit and understand that we're very fortunate to support the wonderful club that we do. Let's leave it there. There'll be a scouting video out in a mere hours. If you want scouting videos for Tielemans and Jesus, those are already on the Patreon. So if you want to be there, great. If you don't want to be there, you're here. And we love you for being here because um, the most important thing is that we're able to share this wonderful conversation with you wonderful people. So thank you for being here. We love you. Clive's on Twitter at ClivePFC. Thanks, Clive. Thank you very much. Tim's on Twitter at Super. Thanks, Tim. My pleasure as always. There will be much more on this. Zach Lowy will be on next week to to talk about the player in more detail with greater um, authority as a regular watcher and expert on the league. But you know what? By the time Clive and I are done with the scouting video, we'll need Zach. We'll be the experts on the Portuguese league. So we look forward to that. My name is Elliot Smith. Please do block me on Twitter. There's nothing but nonsense there. I love you. We love you. And we will talk to you after Arsenal 10 transfer window now.